Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. They were there, and that's something that I never want to forget and I never want to stop talking about, the incredible sacrifices that are made, even when they're not in a foreign theater by the United States military and its members. They are just amazing. There's a, um, a member of a submariners group that came out of Coral Springs, and I'm looking to see if I can actually locate the article that I was reading about this. Carl, here it is. A Coral Springs nati- native supporting a 123-year tradition of service under the sea. Submariners make up about 10% of the Navy's personnel, but they play a very important role in carrying out one of the DOD's most important missions, and that's strategic deterrence. So proud of Petty Officer First Class Victoria Dennis, a native of Coral Springs, Florida, She's one of the sailors supporting this tradition of service under the sea. She joined the Navy seven years ago and today serves as a legalman of sub- submarine, I guess, Submarine Readiness Squadron 33. She said, I was inspired to join the Navy because of all the benefits it had to offer. It presented a chance at real world experiences that I can take with me after I leave the Navy. But seven years means she did not bolt just because she was able to do it at the end of her first tour of duty. She attended Fort Lauderdale High School, graduated in 2016, and she said the kind of skills and values that she learned in high school are similar to those required to succeed in the military. My hometown, Carl Springs, taught me to do everything to the best of my ability and to always take advantage of any opportunity I can. Doing my best opens up more opportunities and accepting more opportunities allows me to showcase my best efforts. I'm able to stand out among my peers and my supervisors recognize my drive and motivation. That's amazing. You know, I'm just so proud. She's a, well, I guess, let's see, now she's uh, 20-something years old, African-American, and a submariner. You got to love it. You, you just have to love it. And, and I get these updates from the communication specialists that reach out to various radio programs within the market where a member of the military, particularly these younger members, came from, you know, where they went to high school, where they lived, where they grew up. And sometimes they just grab me. Sometimes I see them and I acknowledge them and I may say something. But this one really caught me. This is a beautiful young lady who is 
literally under the sea, under the sea. I don't know if I should be singing, you know, Disney songs right now. I happen to know what gender I am, and apparently in Disney they're not sure what gender anybody is. It really is time, though, to end the war on energy freedom because this ESG transfer of wealth and power that's going on has made me crazy. I'm one of these people who monitors investments, not just my own personal investments, but happen to sit on a board where part of my challenges as the treasurer is to make sure I'm monitoring the investment portfolio. And this whole ESG garbage that we're being assaulted with at every level, I don't know what they think their primary function is, but I think it's just to cut off any money going into oil and gas into those industries and instead to direct a ton of money to this green energy. And there's a lot of resistance right now because a lot of shareholders in the companies that are getting affected and a lot of elected officials and a lot of the public are just saying, wait a minute, environmental social governance investments, what does that even mean? This is a tool that the left uses and they do it on so many levels. At the legislative end, they have federal lawmakers putting these proposals that mandate that investment advisors actually prioritize financial gains over non-monetary interest so that you, you have, you know, let me put it to you this way. Your obligation as a manager of money is to make sure that the people whose money you're managing makes money, right? Your, your, op your obligation is not to make sure the environment is safe. Criticism abounds. There was a study showing that ESG funds underperformed the broader market by six, more than 6%, and sometimes as high as 9% over the last five years. So you have state treasurers who are managing these portfolios that include retirement funds, and they're being told, well, you cannot put money into the oil industry, into the gas industry. You've got to direct that money to green energy. And they're saying, but I can't, I can't promise good returns with these fake, fraud, phony green energy companies that we've watched go in and out and, and never achieve what they said they were going to achieve. And of course, consumers like me and you are really starting to push back. We're tired of companies that are installing these woke dimensions and protocols that make no, cement, no sense to us at all. I don't need Disney using uh, transgendered influencers to sort of do some virtue signaling when I've got little grandkids who go to Disney World and watch Disney channels and Disney movies. It's enough already. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to stand by while the oil and gas industries are decimated so that money gets poured into these green corps that don't make any money. Half of them don't even survive. And they do all kinds of environmental damage. That's the part that really gets me. Where's the Sierra Club when all these windmills are killing all these eagles? Suddenly, uh, no humanitarian 
agencies, or actually I should say animal rights agencies, are stepping forward. Where's PETA? It's noticeably silent. They're more worried about whether or not you're eating meat or eating beyond meat, which, by the way, now everyone is saying has turned all of our men into wimps. Just saying. I didn't say that. I read it. So shareholders are really getting involved, showing up at board meetings and asking the CEOs, what, what is the rationale? Why are you putting American pension funds into China's economy? That just makes communist China more powerful than us. Well, and by the way, do you think China cares one bit about environmental, social governance or any of that nonsense? Do you think they care about uh, rights of women or anything approaching what all these woke corporations are trying to tell us we have to do? Let me ask you, in China, do you think there's a big movement uh, called LGBTQ plus LMNOP? No. Do you think that in the Arab nations, the Muslim nations, do you think that they worry about whether or not they're hurting the feelings of transgendered youths when they don't provide hormones at middle school? No, no, that's not happening. You know what's happening in those countries? They're building up their military because they see for the very first time that wealth is being transferred to those countries which enable them to build up their militaries while our military is worried about diminishing the standards for soldiers and sailors and uh, air, airport, airplane flyers or whatever. Pilots would be the right word, huh? Or Navy SEALs. No, no, we got to make it easier for people who are weaker to maintain their status. Makes me sick to my stomach. On a day when I honor the military, I, I am grossed out by the fact that I've got a Department of Defense, a Secretary of Defense in this Lloyd Austin, who cares more about uh, how many transgendered military members there are, how many African-American, how many Hispanic, how many Asian. I mean, he's so busy tabulating all these numbers, he apparently hasn't paid any attention to the fact that nobody's scared of our military anymore. Not even the little rocket man. You know, pushing. China, pushing. And Taiwan, Ukraine, eh, eh, we invaded. Big deal. We'll kill as many Ukrainians as we possibly can while America stands there and says, well, we'll throw you some more money. We got more money for you. And we'll give you, we'll give you these, these bombs that the entire world has said, you cannot put these mines anywhere because it, it ends up killing the people who are the natives of that land. Ah, give them to the Ukraine. It's cold-blooded. It really is, and it's sickening to me. So now we leverage all these environmental and social concerns. It's a cover is all it is because what they're doing is affecting the political agenda, of not just this country, but of other countries and marginalizing industries that they don't like, like oil and gas. Why they don't like oil and gas, I will never understand. Please, please don't tell me about uh, carbon emissions and carbon footprints when you're flying around in private airplanes like uh, Gore is or, or any of these, John Kerry. And this Biden administration 
has prioritized ESG and it allows these weirdos to influence the investment decisions for retirement funds of millions of us, of millions of Americans. There's a group of 25 states right now that's filed a federal lawsuit against the Department of Labor's ESG rule saying that they are violating the Employee Retirement Income Security Act of 1974. And this lawsuit says that you're jeopardizing the retirement plans for millions of Americans, affecting their assets totaling around $12 trillion. But is anybody talking about that? No, no. A little good news, though, today. I think it's good news. I'm going to have to really do a little more digging. But apparently we now have a special counsel looking at Hunter Biden. I'll tell you more about that in just a moment. Don't forget to download our app, the 850 WFTL app, and visit our website, 850WFTL.com, so you can participate in some really cool contests. So you can be one of the 20,000-plus downloads of my podcast in the month of July. God bless you all. Keep downloading it, even if you heard it already. Just download it. And if you haven't downloaded it, do that. Go get the app on your phone so you can listen to my No Restraint podcast. You can listen to to the uh, um, other shows. You got Diener's super popular Unidentified Alien podcast. You got uh, Bill in the Morning. He does the Cool Dad Rules. There's so many things you could partake of if you had the app on your phone or if you go to the website. So do it. You're too smart not to. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. So here's the story, and I, I guess, you know, it's the first thing that I have to say is half of America doesn't even know what a special counsel is or what a special counsel does. So when we talk about the appointment of a special counsel to oversee the DOJ's uh, Hunter Biden case, you really have to look at what these kinds of prosecutors, what they do. I mean, we know all about Jack Smith, who's just vengefully going after Donald Trump as many indictments as he can possibly come up with. But today, the Attorney General Merrick Garland had to succumb to the enormous amount of pressure that was being levied at him. And he asked David Weiss, who is the U.S. Attorney in Delaware, the one who was looking into the business dealings and the financial shenanigans of the president's son to oversee the investigation. He actually said, Merrick Garland said that, that Weiss, David Weiss, asked to be appointed to the position and told him that in his judgment, his investigation has reached a stage at which he should continue his work now as special counsel. Now, originally... Back in January, Merrick Garland appointed this Robert Heur, who was a former U.S. attorney in Maryland, to look at all the documents that were classified in Joe Biden's home at the Corvette and all that jazz and all of the documents that were at the president's 
think tank in Washington. And then after that, he appointed the former Justice Department public corruption prosecutor, this Jack Smith, to lead the investigations into the classified documents at Donald Trump's estate in Mar-a-Lago and a separate probe about the uh, insurrection. And of course, Jack Smith has filed charges in both cases. What exactly is a special counsel? I mean, a very dear friend of mine who's not, you know, not without political savvy asked me that. It's just an attorney that's supposed to investigate and perhaps prosecute a case where the Justice Department sees that it has a conflict or where the decision has been made that it's in the best public interest to have someone outside the government come in and take over the case. According to the Federal Regulations Code, a special counsel must have a reputation for integrity and impartial decision-making. Eh, not so much, because certainly Jack Smith didn't do that. I remember when Ken Starr was just brutalized, and he was about as fair a special counsel as ever. We kind of brutalized Robert Mueller, who was a special counsel in the Russian collusion case, but he basically did the right thing and said, no, there was no Russian collusion. I remember Lawrence Walsh during the Iran-Contra uh, affair during Ronald Reagan's second term. And then, of course, the one I think of most often is Ken Starr because he was uh, looking at the, the real estate nonsense that was going on with the First Lady at the time, Hillary Clinton, and then at all the documents that were removed from Vince Foster, the White House uh, legal counsel, after his suicide, and then he, of course, looked into the Monica Lewinsky sexual stuff. And by the way, Clinton was impeached by the House, but didn't get impeached by the Senate. A lot luckier than, uh, than most. But all of a sudden, you know, there are now new special counsel regulations, much less autonomy, and that's when Robert Mueller entered in 2017, and John Durham was appointed by William Barr. I forgot about John Durham, and he basically said this was a lot of nonsense. So who's, who's David Weiss? That's the question, right? Well, first and foremost, he was appointed by Donald Trump as Delaware's U.S. attorney in 2018. Biden kept him because he was overlooking the Hunter Biden investigation and would have looked really shabby to remove him. He clerked for a justice on the Delaware Supreme Court. He was a federal prosecutor before going into private practice, mostly a commercial litigation practice. Spent a little time doing some financial services stuff and then joined the or rejoined the Justice Department in 2007. And he's been leading this investigation. Now, back in June, Hunter Biden was charged with two misdemeanor crimes of failure to pay more than $100,000 in taxes from over a million and a half in income in 2017 and 2018. He had been expected to plead guilty, but then all of a sudden there was this uh, plea deal and it fell apart. Judge Noriega said, no, this, this isn't going to work. Can't do that. So now you're all wondering what happens next. Certainly, that's uh, a legitimate concern. Well, I'll tell you what happens. David Weiss has said there probably that there's no plea deal in the negotiating stage, and they're at an impasse, so the case is headed for trial. 
This is not good news for Joe Biden. It's just not. That plea deal falling apart was the first bit of really bad news he's gotten in a while. But today's news that there's a special counsel and David Weiss is it really is uh, terrible news. We now have the two leading candidates for the presidency in our next election. One is under multiple indictments, Donald Trump, and one has a close family member who is being most likely tried for corruption, which will lead directly to the sitting president. So if that were to happen, we would have (laughs) two men both facing legal consequences for misbehavior on a very grand scale. Now you tell me, If this doesn't all feel vaguely third world, not vaguely, it feels downright banana republic. I feel like I'm in a Woody Allen movie. Bananas, you know? Well, I know you know. So that's the story. The tax offenses are now going to be taken even a little bit further. My guess is that Mr. Harris is going to be called into... uh, will be called to question these enormous amount of money that came from these players in the Ukraine, in China, that went directly to members of the Biden family. All kinds of members, even granddaughters. This stinks like 10-day-old tuna fish salad that didn't make it into the refrigerator. Anyway, let me take a break. When we come back, got a little more I I really have to get to, important stuff. And then in the final segment, I'll get with my son Derek for a little celebrity news because, well, because I miss him. And, you know, mama has to talk to her son, and you have to listen. Anyway, let me take this break. I'll be right back. So here we go again. The President Biden has now asked Congress to approve $20.5 billion in additional funding for Ukraine. Um, Is anybody out there as nervous as I am that we are throwing more money into a war which is decimating the Ukrainian people and other people? They, this funding apparently, the OMB says it'll be $13 billion in new military aid and $8.5 billion in additional economic, humanitarian, and security assistance for the Ukraine and other countries. What does security assistance entail? I'm just curious. The White House is also seeking more than $12 billion for disaster relief and other emergency domestic funds, including hurricanes, as well as tens of millions of dollars to boost pay for firefighters on the front lines of the wildfires that have hit many parts of the country. So in total, President Biden is asking Congress for about $40 billion in new spending. So think of that number, $40 billion in new spending, half of it for the Ukraine. Actually, more than half. So less than half is for us, 
Does this not make you angry? Because it makes me angry. Now, they say that the Senate will approve this. The leaders of both parties are expected to support the president's request. <clears throat> Although, I don't think you're going to find that it that easy in the House. You know, they'll say, oh, the far-right members in the House, they're not going to do this. They oppose any new funding to Ukraine. Uh, I think most Republicans, as well as Democrats, still somehow want to send money to the Ukraine. I can't put my finger on what exactly is their reasoning. And, and believe me, I was one of these people who said, we have to help the Ukraine a year ago, a year and a half ago. However, it's not working. A large majority of people in this country are very well aware of the fact that we are now in a proxy war with Russia. And it does not, it does not bode well. They're not winning. And if we're not going to put troops on the ground, they have no chance of winning, in my opinion. And if they have no chance of winning, why would we send them another $20 billion? It doesn't even compute. So uh, I'm just going to have to, you know, spend a little more time thinking about this. And hopefully uh, so will you, because there's a lot going on right now. I need a diversion. I need to do some celebrity gossip nonsense. Well, you know, some of it's nonsense. Some of it actually makes some sense. So I think that's what we'll do. We'll take uh, uh, this last segment of the show to talk to my son, Derek. Don't forget, coming up at 4 o'clock is the Eric Erickson Show, and then we're into the weekend. But my plan, as always is to be around when you need me. So you just stay right where you are. We have a little uh, TMZ segment coming up next, and it's always fun for me to get to talk to my, my son, the apple that fell very far away from the tree. I'll be right back. They say that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. But in the case of Derek Kaufman, the apple rolled all the way to L.A. The one thing Derek and his mother share in common, however, is the love for breaking news. TMZ is breaking news faster than the New York Times. So sit back and enjoy the news from Hollywood as only the Kaufman family can bring it. Well, it's been a while. You know, your son gets to be more famous than you, and then he can, you know, do your show when he feels like it and go to Hawaii when he feels like it. How you doing, kid? I'm hanging in there. You know, we got back just in time, and then the whole uh, island's on fire. We were actually on Kauai, and it was beautiful. I mean, paradise. But what's going on over there is just devastating. That's a true... Uh, a true disaster area, and you don't expect Hawaii to be on fire. No, I, I was shocked at some of the pictures, and there's upwards of 31 people already dead, and they haven't even, you know, been able to get into some of those areas. So our prayers go out to the people on Maui. You know, how this affects their tourism and everything else is just amazing. But I'm glad you're back. I didn't need that kind of worry. It was sad enough that you weren't on the show. I didn't need to think you were on fire either. Yes, yes. And we're home. We're safe and sound. And I still got my, my tan. But, you know, as you said, thoughts, thoughts are with the people back there in Hawaii because Maui is, is a beautiful place. And, and, and it's devastating to, to see this news. Absolutely. But there's plenty of celebrity news. We missed some of it, but we still got plenty to talk about. First and foremost, who is Little Tay or Lil Tay? 
You know, that's a question on everyone's mind. We know Lil Tay around here because a few years ago, she blew up on the Internet as the littlest flexor. She was this young girl who would hold stacks of money to her ear. She would spout out, you know, foul mouth rants. Um, and she became a bit of an Internet sensation. She'd be in videos with, like, Jake Paul and, and things like that, somewhat of an influencer. Then she went away completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and a few days ago, there was a post on her social media account that said that she had died. And her brother, who was also part of her initial story because maybe he was sort of coaching her to say some of these things, he has an older brother, was also dead. Uh, many media outlets ran with this, and they mm. said, Lil Tay has passed away, did tributes, you know, big media outlets, but we didn't because we had the whiff of something not smelling quite right, and we checked in with our Lil Tay sources, and there was a lot of confusion. So we paused, and then we learned that she released a press release saying, I'm not dead, and I'm actually the victim of abuse, and my, my uh, social media account was hacked potentially by AI. And now people are speculating, did you do this potentially to, um, you know, get yourself back in the news? Because she's been quiet for a little while, and she was a big deal for a few minutes. And now people are wondering, did you take your own death to get media attention? Yeah, and that won't bode well for her because, you know, it's one thing to make up stories about other people. But when you make up stories about your own death, people get very angry. Oh, yeah. Look, it's not clear that that's what's going on, and I I do want to keep somewhat of an open mind, but this is the world that we live in where everything is looked at with a jaundiced eye. We have to be very vigilant and skeptical in journalism, particularly and particularly in the world of social media influencers who come out of nowhere, then disappear and come back. You just have to be very, very skeptical and and work your sources so you can get to the truth. It's it's hard these days. It is. It's hard. And you know, and big companies and corporations want to tap into the influencers, and you know that better than anyone. And you don't know who you can trust. I mean, now you've got corporations that are using all these, uh, you know, gender dysphoric uh, people to promote their products. We, of course, think uh, often of how it backlashed on Bud Light, but, you know, now there's uh, Disney has got some transgender dude dressed up in princess dresses and how i don't know you're a parent of young children is that gonna fly you know it it remains to be seen where this story uh where 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 this ends up i mean i think there is now a, a vocal backlash we've got an election coming up where these are hot button issues and people are going to be voting on them as you said i mean there's a lot of outspoken people uh, on the Republican side who are saying enough is enough and uh, we're going to push back and we're going to run on these issues and really see where the country stands. I don't know. I think, you know, there are certain coastal uh, people who, who feel a certain way about these issues, but I'm not sure they're representative of the middle of the country. No, they're definitely not, but you, but they still have a lot of power. Let me ask you, like, it, you know, I'm a big fan of Elon Musk. You know that. I find him and entertaining. I find him brilliant. I find him definitely one of those people, Renaissance kind of people to come along in this generation. And yet, is he going to fight Zuckerberg? What's going on with that? You know, it's it's wild because he is promoting X, which he has rebranded Twitter as X. So when he can't, comes out with uh, big statements, uh, you have to sort of be skeptical about what is going on and whether he's just drumming up enthusiasm for his social media 
uh, outlet. But here's where, where things stand. They were going to do the fight. Mark Zuckerberg uh, originally reached out to Dana White, who is the head of UFC, and to get him involved in organizing this thing because it would be a huge deal. Now Elon says Dana's not involved with this. This will be run by our foundation. It will be for charity. Um, and he's indicating that it will still happen. The timing is unclear. Uh, and he's saying it's going to happen in Rome amidst the ruins, possibly at, at the Colosseum. But he says, look, i got to get shoulder surgery. Elon Musk is 51 years old. That's the yeah. reality. Yeah. He is much larger than uh, Mark Zuckerberg, but Mark is much younger and, yeah. and, and more skilled at this point. So a lot of people speculate that Elon wants to get his shoulder fixed. And he wants to train, uh, yeah. even though he knows some karate and some taekwondo and judo. It's clear that Mark Zuckerberg has devoted a lot of his life recently to Brazilian jiu-jitsu and is in tremendous shape. And Elon wants to make sure that he can keep up if he mm-hmm. actually gets in the ring. Um, I do think it'll happen. I think he's spoken enough. Um, you know, a lot of people say this is the start of him weaseling out, but there's a lot on the line. And since they're doing it for charity, it would really be uh, a, a, an awful story for him if he backed out. Right, and win or lose, if charities get money, they're both going to come off That's heroic, right. you know. So I I, I agree. With That's you. right. I think backing down is is not really an option for him, and and like you said, it'll raise a tremendous amount of money. There's so much interest in this, and I actually think as a fight prognosticator, he's so much bigger. If it's a quick fight, he said this, uh, he'll dominate Mark Zuckerberg just on size alone. But if it goes a long time, I think endurance can come into play. And Mark has a chance. Yeah, well, we'll see. I, I would, I would actually fly to Rome to watch it because I think <laughs> you'll I think go to the Coliseum. Just, for, I, I mean, it's, it's an incredible event to, to sort of think about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, also, what's going on with uh, Pearl? I mean, she's one of the RuPaul drag queens, and apparently, she made a very big error. Yeah, you know, she stepped in it. Pearl is having to apologize and walk back what she was calling a 90s Britney Spears-esque look. Uh, she took a ton of heat. You can look at the pictures on our website. It looks like blackface. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it really does. She is uh, walking it back. She's taking the photos down and has called it hand face, and she was only trying to do an homage to 90s-era Britney. And I can mm-hmm. see that, but she, she has some uh, oversized lips. Uh, it is certainly much darker than her natural complexion. It's problematic, and it offended a lot of people. And so she took it down. She said she meant no offense, but these things live. Uh, This is what the Internet does. You can take down whatever photo you want. Once there's a news story, if you Google Pearl, this is going to come up. Um, And so she's trying to sort of manage uh, how negative things have turned. And, uh, you know, I I don't necessarily think she had any malintent, but it's certainly getting a lot of negative attention. And wouldn't it, everybody be waiting to hear what RuPaul has to say about it? I mean, she is the preeminent drag queen. Yeah, look, and then that and and, and Pearl became famous on that show. So right. uh, you know, maybe RuPaul will have to sort of weigh in. It depends on how big this story gets. Right now, it's it's something that Pearl is managing. But if it starts to impact RuPaul's Drag Race and starts to drag down that show, so to speak. No pun intended. Uh, yeah, I would imagine RuPaul will weigh in, and whether he uh, just, how 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 he decides to manage that, I don't know. Well, and we've always talked about Kevin Costner and these terrible uh, stories about his divorce and everything else, but there's like a kind of funny Kevin Costner story on your website right now. Yeah, look, he's a Swifty, um, and this is uh, <laughs> funny because. We got uh, footage of him at the concert with his daughters. You know, he's going through an incredibly 
nasty divorce, one of the one of the nastiest I've seen in a number of years, with lots of money on the line and lots of back and forth in court documents. Um, and of course, he was having a moment in this video where he is listening to "We Are Never Ever Getting Back Together." And everyone is reading into it because his daughter is sort of singing along without a care in the world. And he's just got a sort of wry grin on his face. Um, and he was sort of feeling it. He says, look, uh, I had an amazing time with my daughter. I'm, I'm blown away by watching someone so talented. This Taylor Swift phenomenon is incredible. I haven't seen anything like it, I think, since the height of Madonna. And I'm not even sure that is on the level of what I'm seeing, where the friendship bracelets, the celebrities – Everyone's singing along. Everyone's social media feeds are dominated by concert footage, and he's part of it. And, mm. you know, we got Paul Stanley, incidentally, at the airport recently and said, look, uh, he also is a Swifty and went to the concert. And he said, look, people can be naysayers. This is what happens when someone is so big. But let some of your cynicism down. She's a lot of fun to go to her concert, and you don't have to love her as a person, but she's clearly having a moment. I guess. I mean, I have to admit that, you know, my producer, Sharina, was all upset because she's on some waiting list for tickets and you know and I'm thinking really you, you know it, people it's care undeniable. that much Taylor Swift is going to probably walk out of this tour as a billionaire I mean she's going to wow. improve her net worth by potentially 300 or 400 million dollars she's already around 700 million it's incredible I don't think mm -hmm. we've ever seen anything like it and it's impossible to get tickets and if you can you're spending six seven hundred a thousand dollars for them well, I keep looking at the videos of my granddaughter, Nixie, your daughter, and I think there's a future in, you know, showbiz for my granddaughter. If we can ever get her nose out of a book, she might actually oh, be the next good Taylor. luck. She's, she's, <laughs> she's knee-deep in Greek mythology at all times, so I'm not sure she's interested in Taylor Swift yet. We've got to get her some singing lessons. <laughs> all right. And finally, I'll leave on a happy note. It looks like uh, Oprah Winfrey, who has a lot of property in Maui, has gone out there to be of use. I, I have to give her a hand for that. Yeah, you got to give her a look. We also did a story on our website that Floyd Mayweather is helping out a lot of the people who are stranded in Maui and getting them over to Oahu. So say what you will about celebrities. Sometimes they really do step up in times of these. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, kid. You keep uh, doing what you're doing. Celebrity gossip's the, the bomb. See you soon. All right. Talk to you guys soon. Bye. Bye. All right, and that pretty much wraps it up for me. I uh, just want to ask you to stay safe over this weekend. And my plan is to be back here on Monday at 3 p.m., if it be his will and he delays his coming. Remember what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then as always, may God bless you. And may God bless the United States of America. See you all on Monday. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.